Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to church. Uh, if you're a guest with us, uh, today is a really special day in the life of our church called Celebration Sunday, where uh, what we're going to be doing is uh, looking, uh, we're going to be sharing the stories of how God has been at work in our lives um, over the past 12 weeks as we've been looking at this really remarkable story of Abraham in the book of Genesis. And um, we did something like this at the end of our Summer of Love series uh, back in August. And you know what they say, if you do something in church once, it's an experiment. If you do it twice, it's a tradition. And so welcome to one of our most storied and cherished traditions as a church here. Um, I should also say I'm pretty hopped up on cold medicine this morning, and so I prayed the Holy Spirit would just be in control, but if anything's out of control, just blame it on that. I'm on the upswing. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm doing far better than my voice sounds, but if anything just feels out of control, just blame the Dayquil, all right? Um, <clears throat> Seriously, though, uh, the last time we did this Celebration Sunday, I left so encouraged. Uh, and I think even if this is your first week where you're like, ah, oh, odd first week for me, um, I think actually you're going to leave so encouraged today um, at how real Jesus is and amazed at how much he can work in your lives. And um, to set it up for you, we've got one final scene we'll be looking at in the story of Abraham, and it's the scene of the ending, um, now, I, I don't know about you, but I love endings. Um, some, some people want their favorite TV shows to go on forever. Uh, maybe that's you. Uh, I don't. Um, not only because shows tend to drop off in quality after three, four, five seasons, right? Um, but I, there's something about endings that I just love. Um, like, like, I still remember watching the series finale to Friday Night Lights. Um, any Friday Night Lights fans in here? It's been a few years. Okay, I see my people over here. This was one of those rare shows that Karen and I both enjoyed. Like there weren't any laser swords or sci-fi, but there wasn't anyone demoing walls or doing any home renos. This was like our sweet spot here. We both loved this show. And I still remember watching the finale of that show with her um, when that last football goes up into the air. That last Hail Mary is thrown, and they began um, to bring together all of the themes they had been weaving for so many seasons. I remember when that ball went up in the air, uh, and, and, and everything began to come to a close, everything we were so wrapped up in. I don't know, like there must have been some dust particles in the room, because I'm not a crier. Some of you, you cry over Hallmark commercials. That's not me, all right? I'm not a crier. But as these things started wrapping together and coming together that we were so wrapped up in, I found something unexpected begin to happen. Tears flowing down my face. Not tears because it was over, but because there was beauty in the ending. Have any of you ever experienced this with a show, with a, a story, with a series of books you love? That's kind of what we've got going on in the book of Genesis this morning. Because here's the deal. Endings, if they are written well, what they do is they highlight the best parts of a journey and they bring them together in a way that make your heart want to sing. And that's certainly the case for how Abraham's story ends. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read uh, the finale of the Abraham story to you this morning. And then um, I'm just going to pull out three 
threads, three themes that we have seen highlighted throughout this story, and I just want to lift them up before you. If you've been here with us in these series, it'll be nothing new for you. These will be ground that we've covered already, but I just want to lift these threads up to you this morning in hopes that perhaps something unexpected might happen in this room this morning. Um, Maybe some of you will catch a dust particle in your eye. Uh, Maybe some of you will see Jesus more clearly to where you can worship with a new kind of freedom this morning. Uh, Maybe some of you are going to lift your hands in worship as we respond this morning. I I don't know. Maybe some of you will step up to the mic and share when that time in service comes. Um, And maybe since I'm not covering new ground, maybe I'll actually be a little shorter this morning. I, I, I don't know. We'll see, right? Anything can happen. It's a series finale. It's a good day. Are you ready to look at God's word? All right. Genesis chapter 25, starting in verse 1, we read this. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. Um, Now, here's what's going on. Uh, Abraham's wife, Sarah, died. Uh, If you're just joining us, Sarah was Abraham's girl. Uh, They had by no means had a perfect marriage, um, but Abraham and Sarah, they really built a life together. Um, They met, what we've seen in this series is they met as unbelievers in a really ungodly place, but then God showed up in their lives and he called them to leave what they knew behind, to leave their sense of identity and all the things that made them comfortable, to leave those things behind and to follow him and he would lead them into true life, the life that they were made for. And, and what they did is they did it. They left the city of Babylon. They followed God into the unknown. And man, they had such an adventure together. They had some good days where they trusted God and saw God come through with uh, miracles in their life. Uh, And they had uh, some bad days, if we're honest. But time and time again, they saw God show up and work miracles to bless them, to protect them, and to keep them walking and to make them a blessing wherever they went, just like he promised. And after 25 years of walking with God, and wondering if they'd ever be able to start a family, when God finally gives them the gift of a son together, when Sarah gives birth to their son, they name their son Isaac, which means laughter, because their life together had become one of just laughing together at the goodness of God. This couple had a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but in the end, they built a life together centered on God. There was laughter, there was joy, there was redemption for every sorrow in that story. And then Sarah dies. And and this is what's crazy to me. Um, Abraham decides he's not done yet. Like, this dude is over 100 years old at this point, and he's like, hey, I think it's time to settle down and start a family. Like, if that's me at 100, I'm going to lay down and take a nap. I don't know about you. Maybe that's the cold medicine talking, but I'm like, I don't know that I'm going to go through the rounds again. But this Abraham, he's an overachiever. He marries Keturah, and he's going to have six more sons with her. This guy's an overachiever. So, so that's verse one. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. And here's the son. She bore him Zimran, Joshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Joshkan fathered Sheba and Dedon. And the sons of Dedon were Ashurim, Lethshumim, and Laumim. 
Um, if you're new and you're like, I don't think you said those right, none of us know. Okay, the deal throughout this series has been I'm going to say them quickly and confidently, and you nod your head along like, oh, yeah, laumium. Mm, yeah, that guy, great. Verse 4. That was definitely the cold medicine talking. Verse 4. Uh, the sons of Midian were Ephah, Ephor, Hanok, Abadiah, and Elada. And all of these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the east country. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life. This dude lived to be 175 years old. Now, some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, wasn't this when they lived a long time? Like, this is before McDonald's and delivery services. And, you know, this was just a different time in the world. No, no, no. If, if you were here with us when we started this series, in Genesis chapter 11, we have this long genealogy establishing that humanity had become locked into the condition that we roughly know it today where people were having kids typically in their 30s at this point, and they were typically dying by 100 years old. And so that, that was the normal state of things at this point, but not so with our boy Abram. He's an overachiever. At 100, he's just getting a second wind. This guy lives an unusually long time, 175 years old. Some of you are like, I don't want to live to 175. That sounds entirely too old. And now some of you are like, just keep moving, pastor. All right. So he lives to be 175, but eventually the day comes where, verse 8, Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zoar the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Beer Lahroi. Okay, let's talk about our threads. Um, the first thread is that what we see at the end of Abraham's life is what we have seen throughout Abraham's life. Um, that God keeps his promises. Uh, in Genesis chapter 12, God showed up to Abraham and he said, I will bless you. Did God bless this man? Yes. Um, he said to him, I will give you the land of Canaan. Now, for anyone who was here two weeks ago, do you remember where this cave of Ephron is that Sarah was buried, that Abraham is buried? Anyone take a wild guess as to what land that cave is in? Canaan. Very good. Some of you were here two weeks ago. Are you just picking up on this? Yes. God gave him the land of Canaan. This is where Abraham is buried. And in Genesis chapter 15, God said, uh, you will live to a good old age. Did God come through on that one? Yes. Amen, someone says. In chapter 17, God said, you will become the father of many nations, which is exactly what we see with the sons of Keturah, where uh, uh, the, the sons listed there, it's kind of like a genealogy of major leaders and players in the region to follow. Abraham is becoming a father of many nations. And God promised him on repeat throughout his life, that he would give him a son by his barren wife, Sarah. Now, how did that one work out? 
He came through. That son is the one who is standing there burying his daddy on this day. Everything God promised, God did. And, and so here, here's the first thread I just want to pull out that we've seen throughout Abraham's story, that God keeps his promises. See, this is what you've got to know about our God. He's not the kind of God that makes promises and then fails to keep them. He's not some politician that overpromises and underdelivers and says unrealistic things just to get you on board. And then once you join his team, he's like, well, once you've already voted for me, who cares? That's not what our God is like. When God promises it, it is as good as done no matter how unrealistic it seems. And, and look, I, I know that the promises of God often seem unrealistic. Like, he told a barren couple that they would have a son. Um, that's not how this is supposed to work. But what we've seen again and again throughout this story that we see in the end here is that if God promises, it's as good as done no matter how far off it seems. And so this is why uh, we can bank our lives on the hope of the resurrection, on the uh, res restoration of the world, and the hope of heaven. There are still a lot of promises in the Bible that God has made to us that we are still awaiting the fulfillment of. And, and look, I know that sometimes his promises seem so far off. Um, I know there are days where this world feels so dark and as if it is only getting darker. But what we have seen in the story of Abraham time and time again is that God was faithful to Abraham even when it looked like all hope was lost. Even when his already barren wife went through the process of menopause and she was like, this is for sure done. God comes through on his promises. Even when Abraham looked at his army and he said, this is too small, God came through on his promises. And so even on weeks where we are like, God, I don't know how we could possibly move this thing forward. I don't see how things are ever going to get better. If God has promised it, it is as good as done. And that is the first theme we see in the story of Abraham. And if you walk away from this story more confident in the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God to where you believe in your bones that the God who is faithful to Abraham will be faithful to you and to me no matter how impossible the promise seems, then this series has been a worthwhile series indeed. So that's, that's thread number one. God keeps his promises. And when you have faith in a God like that, it can change your life just like it changed Abraham's. Um, which leads to thread number two. God does perfect work through imperfect people. Um, did anybody catch the mention of Abraham's concubines in verse six? Yeah. Not the kind of thing I would want mentioned in my series finale, if I'm just being honest. Um, but, but this is included for a reason. Um, see, this is actually getting at something important that we have seen throughout the life of Abraham, that Abraham had some good days where he trusted God and conquered foreign armies and solved family conflict and became a blessing to everyone around him. And then he had some bad days where he did some really dumb stuff. Anybody remember the whole taking a second wife thing while Sarah was still alive? Some of you I thought would be hanging on to that one more, like, yeah. 
That's what this word concubines is meant to trigger in our minds. That for as mighty and great as this man was, he was an imperfect man that had some really bad days and had some really dumb ideas and really hurt the people that he loved most. And yet for all of his failures along the way, God does some incredible work through this man where he takes a pagan man out of a pagan land, out of a city that was uh, really the center of injustice and evil in the world. He takes him and he plucks him out of that place and he makes him a worshiper of the living God who um, goes from being known for injustice and evil and living in the city of Babylon to being known as a man who does justice and righteousness on the earth and prays for those that are far from God. God started something incredible in Abraham where he took a family legacy that was broken and he turned it on its head. He started a new family legacy. He started a new way to be human, to depend upon God again. And he made Abraham an agent of reconciliation and righteousness wherever he went. And at the end of his story, we see it's not just Abraham. When Abraham breathes his last and dies, Abraham leaves behind a son who walks with his God. So it's not just that Abraham had a good time and then he died. It's that in his life, Abraham imparted that faith to his son. He raised someone that knew and loved the God that called him out of Babylon. And when Abraham is dead and gone, that faith continues. And Isaac, who has uh, more sons that he raises to know and love the living God and to live this new way of being human in the world. And Isaac's sons raise more sons and daughters that follow in this way of being human in the world. And Father Abraham has many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham. And, and it goes on and on and on for generations until the Lord Jesus is born from this family to do what God promised to Abraham, to restore the world, to be a blessing to all, to push back darkness and undo what was lost in the fall. All of that starts with this man named Abraham. And here's the point. Even the mightiest heroes in the Bible have grimy parts to their story. I love that the Bible is honest about this. Even as we're recapping it, it's like the author of Genesis is like, don't forget he was a polygamist. Like again, I would have been like, edit that out. But God's like, no, they have to know that there's hope for the broken. Even the mightiest heroes in the Bible have grimy parts of their story and you won't find someone that's used powerfully of God that doesn't have something in their life like this. And see, some people take that and they go, well, then I'm not sure that I want to follow the God of the Bible. I would flip that around and say, I actually think that should give great hope to you and me because I don't know about you, but I don't have a perfect faith. Um, I wish I did. I wish I could just stand up here with the cape on and be like, trust Jesus perfectly like me. I never struggle. I would be so much happier if I just perfectly trusted Jesus all the time. I would have so much less pain in my life. I would have so much less boredom in my life. I would have so much less frustration if I would just keep trusting him instead of being inconsistent. But like Abraham, I have days where I get tired of waiting on God and I do dumb stuff. 
I have days where I forget what God has said. And frankly, if we're being really honest, sometimes I have days where I'm just not thinking and do dumb, dumb stuff. Anybody else in the room resonate with this? This is where that word concubine should encourage you. Because if there's hope for a man like Abraham, then there's hope for you and me. If God can do mighty things through this imperfect man named Abraham, then man, he could, maybe he could do mighty things through you and me. And so, look, I know there's some of you in this room this morning that you come in here and you look at your life and you think, I've made such a mess of my life. There's no way God could use me. And to that, I would just hold up our boy Abraham and say, if God can work through him, if God can love him, if God can count him as his beloved child with whom he is well pleased, then God can love you too in spite of all the junk in your life. And you might think, no, I have this junk after I've been walking with Jesus for so long. Abraham made mistakes Decades into his walk with God, if God can be gracious to him and forgive him and love him in spite of all of that and work through him in the world, then there is hope that God can love you and forgive you and work through your life to make you a blessing no matter what you think. He is that good. All you have to do is reach out to him in faith like Abraham and ask, would you love me in spite of all of this? Would you be strong for me? And in your strength, would you make something of my life that blesses the world around me? What we see in the life of Abraham is that is the kind of prayer that God loves to answer. God does perfect work through imperfect people. And as we pull the threads out of this story, my hope is that God would encourage you that no matter what junk you walk in here with this morning, you've not gone too far from him. And he would love for you to just come to him in faith to find help and mercy in your time of need. <clears throat> Number three. Though the faithful die, the plan of God goes on. Um, I've been thinking a lot about my funeral this week. Um, because the reality is, we're all going to have our proverbial series finale. Some of you are like, I was supposed to be encouraged today. I'm not sure you're hitting that. Stick with me here. Um, I've been thinking a lot about my funeral. And in, in one sense, as I've been thinking about it, I'm like, I'm ready to go. Like we talked about this two weeks ago. We know that with Jesus, death is not the end. We know that there's resurrection, that there's life on the other side of the grave. And so, in one sense, I'm like, bring it on. If, if I have my finale, then I get to see him face to face. And when I see him face to face, I will be like him, for I will be with him. And then I won't struggle anymore. And there won't be any more injustice in the world that grieves my heart. It'll be life and love forever. And so I'm like, to die is gain. Bring it on. But on the other hand, thinking about this week, I have these dreams for these three little girls that God has entrusted to Karen and me. I've got a lot of dreams for them. Um, more than anything, I want to see verse 11 come true for them, that, 
that they would walk with the God that I love, that they would know and love Jesus far more than I know and love Jesus. I want to see them grow strong in their faith and use every ounce of giftedness that God has put in them to push back darkness and to bless the world around them in a way that far outshines anything that God will ever do through Karen and me. I want to see their lives go beyond ours. I want to see their love for Jesus go beyond ours. And man, we spend our lives trying to line them up for this. Just like Abraham did with his son Isaac. Abraham took him and worshiped with his son Isaac. We've seen it throughout this series. And even here in this finale, we see that as he's having other children, he's generous to them, he gives them a good inheritance, but he sends them to other parts of the land to make sure to line Isaac up to be the heir to the promise that God said. Abraham, he lined Isaac up to love God. And, and we're doing the same with our girls. Like, I love talking with our girls about Jesus. Um, I love, even on things like Halloween, being like, Jesus loves you and you get the best candy, so full-size candy bars. Like, I love just connecting whatever we're doing back to Jesus. I, I love praying with them and, and seeing how uh, their little hearts begin praying and talking to Jesus. Um, man, I, I love praying for them. I love just hearing what God is doing in their life and, and hearing the beginnings of faith. Like, I love that I get to spend my life shaping three little humans as best as I am able to know and love the God who has known and loved me. And it hit me this week as I was thinking about my funeral that when I go, I won't be here to do that anymore. And that scares the hell out of me. Because um, then I think about it, I'm like, if I'm not here anymore to talk with them, to protect them, to love them, like, who's going to watch out for them when teenage boys come around and hormones click and they want to have a good time? I'm like, well, okay, Karen would be here, but like, okay, let, let's say Karen and I went together, like notebook style. Like, who's going to watch out for the girls then? I told you, I was hopped up on cold medicine. I was in bed most of the week, um, so my mind went to some dark places. I'm like, who's going to watch out for them when Karen and I are gone? Tragically, at an early age is where my mind's going. And this is where the Holy Spirit highlighted verse 11 to me. Let me read it to you again. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac his son. See, the plan of God continues on even after the man of faith dies because, here's the point, God was and is always the ultimate driver in the plan of salvation. And as a dad who has all these hopes for these three little girls, and frankly, as a pastor who has these hopes and dreams for how this church can impact this valley again, there is not a more encouraging thought to me throughout this whole story than this, that the story of redemption will go on long after we are gone. And if you take that thought to heart, here's what I can tell you after reflecting on this. It will not only free you to breathe your last breath in peace on your last day, 
But if you take this to heart, that God's the one that's ultimately driving the story, that God cares more about these things, that even after I am gone and in heaven with him, He'll continue the work here on earth. If you take this to heart, it will not only allow you to breathe your last breath in peace when you're like, but I still have to-dos. I still have prayers I want to see answered. It will not only let you breathe your last in peace, but hear me, it will give you a new freedom to approach your everyday life here and now. Because you'll know God is at work. And look, I'm not saying this makes you passive. Like I said, we see in this final scene how Abraham was active to the end, lining his son Isaac up for success to know and love the God who's known and loved him. And so it doesn't mean that you just sit back and go, God's at work in the world, so I'm going to do nothing. But what it does mean is you don't have to be overbearing. Because Abraham, he knew what we see here that this plan to redeem the world isn't our idea. It's God's idea. And he will see to it even after we are gone, even while we are sleeping, and even in seasons where we feel stuck and like we can do nothing to move this thing forward, he will be faithful to move the plan on as he always has been, from Abraham all the way down through the ages to you and me today because this is his plan and he is the ultimate driver in the story. And I think one of the best ways I could drive that home this morning is to have you preach the rest of the sermon for me. Seriously, uh, that, that's what we're going to do now. Because um, 12 weeks ago at the start of the series, we gave you this invitation. We said, follow God into the unknown. Simply ask him to take you deeper in your faith. Wherever you're at, wherever you're coming from, ask him to take you a little deeper from that place. And today, we're going to see if we're making all this stuff up, or if it is indeed true that the God who worked in Abraham's day is still alive and still at work in our day, blessing imperfect people and leading us in a growing faith that increasingly becomes a blessing to those around us. And so here's what we're going to do in just a moment we're going to pass a mic around. Some of you are like, he's kidding, right? No, I'm not kidding. It's Celebration Sunday. We are going to pass a mic around. And, and if God has been at work in your life, growing you in your faith, then here's what I want to ask you to do. Raise your hand when the mic comes around. Now, I know for some of you, that's like asking you to jump out of an airplane. So, so let me just encourage you. Um, we love you. We're a family here, right? You don't have to be afraid to share with us. We love you. We are for you, and we would love to hear from you. So we're on your team here. This is a safe place to share. You don't have to be intimidated by us here. Thank you for sharing, everyone. Um, I'm sure there are more stories to share. I know we have folks that can't be with us that are watching online this morning. And so um, let's keep sharing those stories. But as we uh, land the plane here, um, what I want to say is this might be the end of this series, but my hope is that this isn't our finale this morning. Um, as, as we often say here, someone said it during the sharing time, if you're not dead yet, you're not done yet. And um, I just believe that 
though we're going to move on to a new sermon series, like God still wants to grow us in our faith, just like we said at the end of the summer of love. It's not like we put love on the shelf and move on. It's like we want to move deeper. And the same with faith. And I think the way we will do that is if we do what Isaac does at the end of our text here. And so as we wrap things up, I just want to draw your attention to the end of verse 11 one last time. Where after the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son. And then here we get this. And Isaac settled at Beer Lahai Roy. Um, Does that name sound familiar to anybody in here? Some of you are looking at me like, that sounds like every Hebrew name you've read in this series. Pastor Phil, who's in a Hebrew class, it sounds familiar to him right now. Um, That's actually the name of the well where God met Hagar back in Genesis chapter 16. And it's a name that she gave to the place after that significant encounter. Um, This is something of a pattern that we'll see throughout the book of Genesis, that when God draws near to people and reveals himself in a profound way, what they tend to do is they give the place a fancy name, They build an altar there, and they keep coming back to that place there because they say, this is where heaven has met earth. This is the place where we can seek God. And and this is really how all of the great religions of the world work, that they have their sacred places, whether it's Bir Lahai Roy, uh, or whether it's Mecca, or whether it's the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. um, Every religion kind of has these thin places where, um, you know, heaven and earth, they, they overlap. There's a, this is where we can go to seek God. But in Christianity, we don't, we don't have sacred places like this. I'm not saying it wouldn't be cool to go to Bir Lahai Roy and to see these places. That'd be awesome. But we don't place the same significance on a place that even Isaac did in this text. And here's why. Because we believe that heaven has come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And and really, all of our faith, it really hangs on him and his faithfulness. Uh, For the joy set before him, he went to the cross, despising the shame, and died in our place for our sins to remove everything that would stand between us and a relationship with God. So that all of this talk about God being gracious and God blessing and perfect, sinful people to make us a blessing, it could go from being more than wishful thinking to actually become our birthright. And, and the beautiful thing about having a sacred person, not just a sacred place, is that wherever we go all week long, we can meet with God. Just like Isaac goes to this well to meet with God and to continue coming to God, we can meet with God wherever we go. He meets with us through his word. He meets with us through the love that we share with his people. He meets with us through the songs we sing. He meets with us through looking at a good sunrise or even a nice rainfall, if that's the kind of thing that makes your heart sing. Jesus is alive and with us wherever we go by the power of his spirit. And so as we close, I want to encourage us like Isaac to keep drawing near to him in faith. 
um, not just here in this building, but in the office on Monday morning, in the DMV, in the car rides, to keep drawing near to him and asking him to build our faith. Because it's in those places where we draw near to Jesus in all of our life that we can see how good he is. And this is how we keep growing in our faith. This is, it's when we keep coming back to Jesus in the highs and lows of our week. And um, of all the ways that we can do this, uh, one of our favorite ways to come to Jesus as a church here at Fair Oaks is through this meal he gave us called communion, where Jesus invites us to tangibly taste and see that he is good and that he is for us. And so we're going to end our celebration today by doing just that. And, and here's what I want to encourage you to do. Um, before we take communion together, the band is going to play one last song, and I want to just encourage you to take this space to come to Jesus this morning. What, whatever faith looks like for you, maybe for the first time to come to him and say, I believe you're God, I want to follow you, I don't know what it looks like, but I want in. Or maybe for you, it's been a long time. And, and you're trying to, in faith for you this morning looks like coming home and saying, I, I know that no matter how far I've gone, it's not too far for you. I want to come back on the fantastic adventure of trusting in you again. I don't want to live through other people's testimonies. I want to have my own testimony. I want to come back to you this morning. Or maybe faith for you this morning looks like, Jesus, I love what you're doing in my life and I need it more. If you were to ever stop, I wouldn't have the stories to tell. So I, I want more of you this morning. Whatever faith looks like for you this morning. I want to encourage you to take this time as we sing this last song together to come to him in honest prayer this morning and say, Jesus, here's where I need you. Here's where I need you to meet me in my life, whatever it looks like for you. And then at the end of this song, we, I want to invite you, if that is your prayer, to take the communion elements in the pew in front of you and, and hold off. We're going to take it together, but at the end, I'm going to come back up and we are going to take that together as our final step of faith in this series, but not in our lives to say, Jesus, we need you and we want more of you. So go ahead and stand with us during this time. We're gonna sing one last song together. Come to him in faith during this time and then I'll come back up and we'll close the service with communion. <laughs>